Volume Three, Chapter Eight of A Simple Story. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pam Moscato. A Simple Story by Elizabeth Inchbald. Volume Three, Chapter Eight. When Lord Elmwood had been at his country seat about six weeks, Mr. Rushbrook, his nephew, and his adopted child, that friendless boy whom poor Lady Elmwood first introduced into his uncle's house, and by her kindness preserved there, arrived from his travels, and was received by his uncle with all the marks of affection due to the man he thought worthy to be his heir. Rushbrook had been a beautiful boy, and was now an extremely handsome young man. He had made unusual progress in his studies, had completed the tour of Italy and Germany, and returned home with the air and address of a perfect man of fashion. There was, besides, an elegance and persuasion in his manner almost irresistible. Yet with all those accomplishments, when he was introduced to Sandford, and put forth his hand to take his, Sandford, with evident reluctance, gave it to him, and when Lord Elmwood asked him in the young man's presence if he did not think his nephew greatly improved, he looked at him from head to foot, and muttered, He could not say he observed it. The color heightened in Mr. Rushbrook's face upon the occasion, but he was too well-bred not to be in perfect good humor. Sanford saw this young man treated in the house of Lord Elmwood with the same respect and attention as if he had been his son, and it was but probable the old priest would make a comparison between the situation of him and of Lady Matilda Elmwood. Before her it was Sanford's meaning to have concealed his thoughts upon the subject, and never to have mentioned it but with composure. That was, however, impossible. Unused to hide his feelings at the name of Rushbrook, his countenance would always change in a sarcastic sneer. Sometimes a frown of resentment would force its way in spite of his resolution. Miss Woodley, too, with all her boundless charity and goodwill, was upon this occasion induced to limit their excess, and they did not extend so far as to reach poor Rushbrook. She even, in reality, did not think him handsome or engaging in his manners. She thought his gaiety, frivolousness, his complacence, affection, and his good-humor, impertinence. It was impossible to conceal those unfavorable sentiments entirely from Matilda, for when the subject arose, as it frequently did, Miss Woodley's undisguised heart and Sanford's undisguised countenance told them instantly. Matilda had the understanding to imagine that she was perhaps the object who had thus deformed Mr. Rushbrook, and frequently, though he was a stranger to her, and one who had caused her many a jealous heartache, frequently she would speak in his vindication. "'You are very good,' said Sanford one day to her. "'You like him, because you know your father loves him.' This was a hard sentence for the daughter of Lord Elmwood to hear, to whom her father's love would have been more precious than any other blessing. She, however, checked the assault of envy, and kindly replied, my mother loved him too, Mr. Sandford. Yes, answered Sandford, he has been a grateful man to your poor mother. She did not suppose when she took him into the house, when she entreated your father to take him, and through her caresses and officious praises of him, first gave him that power which he now possesses over his uncle. She little foresaw that the time, his ingratitude, and its effects. Very true, said Miss Woodley, with a heavy sigh. "'What ingratitude?' asked Matilda. "'Do you suppose Mr. Rushbrook is the cause that my father will not see me? "'Oh, do not pay Lord Elmwood's motive so ill a compliment.' 
i do not say that he is the absolute cause returned sandford but if a parent's heart is void i would have it remain so till its lawful owner is replaced usurpers i detest no one can take lord elmwood's heart by force replied his daughter it must i believe be a free gift to the possessor and as such whoever has it has a right to it in this manner she would plead the young man's excuse perhaps but to hear what could be said in his disfavor for secretly his name was bitter to her and once she exclaimed in vexation on sandford saying lord elmwood and mr rushbrook were gone out shooting together all that pleasure is now eclipsed which i used to take in listening to the report of my father's gun for i cannot now distinguish his from his parasites sandford much as he disliked rushbrook for this expression which comprised her father in the reflection turned to matilda in extreme anger but as he saw the colour mount into her face for what in the strong feelings of her heart had escaped her lips he did not say a word and by her tears that followed he rejoiced to see how much she reproved herself miss woodley vexed to the heart and provoked every time she saw lord elmwood and rushbrook together and saw the familiar terms on which this young man lived with his benefactor now made her visits to him very seldom if lord elmwood observed this he did not appear to observe it and though he received her politely when she did pay him a visit it was always very coldly nor did she suppose if she never went he would ask for her for his daughter's sake however she thought it right sometimes to show herself before him for she knew it must be impossible that with all his apparent indifference he could ever see her without thinking for a moment on his child and what one fortunate thought might some time bring about was an object much too serious for her to overlook she therefore remained confined to her apartments near three weeks excepting those anxious walks she and matilda stole while lord elmwood dined or before he rose in the morning went one forenoon into his apartments where as usual she found him with mr sandford and mr rushbrook after she had sat about half an hour conversing with them all though but very little with the latter lord elmwood was called out of the room upon some business presently after sandford and now by no means pleased with the companion with whom she was left she rose and was going likewise when rushbrook fixed his speaking eyes upon her and cried miss woodley will you pardon me what i am going to say certainly sir you can i am sure say nothing but what i must forgive but she made this reply with a distance and a reserve very unlike the usual manners of miss woodley he looked at her earnestly and cried ah miss woodley you don't behave so kindly to me as you used to do i do not understand you sir she replied very gravely times are changed mr rushbrook since you were last here you were then but a child yet i love all those persons now that i loved then replied he and so i shall forever but you mistake mr rushbrook i was not even then so very much the object of your affections there were other ladies you loved better perhaps you don't remember lady elmwood don't i cried he oh clasping his hands and lifting up his eyes to heaven shall i ever forget her that moment lord elmwood opened the door the conversation of course that moment ended but confusion at the sudden surprise was on the face of both parties he saw it and looked at each of them by turns with a sternness that made poor miss woodley ready to faint while rushbrook with the most natural and happy laugh that ever was affected cried no don't tell my lord pray miss woodley she was more confused than before and lord elmwood turning to him asked what the subject was 
by this time he had invented one and continuing his laugh said miss woodley my lord will till this day protest that she saw my apparition when i was a boy and she says it is a sign i shall die young and is really much affected at it lord elmwood turned away before this ridiculous speech was concluded yet so well had it been acted that he did not for an instant doubt its truth miss woodley felt herself greatly relieved and yet so little is it in the power of those we dislike to do anything to please us that from this very circumstance she formed a more unfavorable opinion of mr rushbrook than she had done before she saw in this little incident the art of dissimulation cunning and duplicity in its most glaring shape and detested the method by which they had each escaped lord elmwood's suspicion and perhaps anger the more because it was so dexterously managed lady matilda and sandford were both in their turns informed of this trait in mr rushbrook's character and although miss woodley had the best of dispositions and upon every occasion spoke the strictest truth yet in relating this occurrence she did not speak all the truth for every circumstance that would have told to the young man's advantage literally had slipped her memory the twenty-ninth of october arrived on which a dinner a ball a supper was given by lord elmwood to all the neighboring gentry the peasants also dined in the park off a roasted bullock several casks of ale were distributed and the bells of the village rung matilda who heard and saw some part of this festivity from her windows inquired the cause but even the servant who waited upon her had too much sensibility to tell her and answered he did not know miss woodley however soon learned the reason and groaning with the painful secret informed her mr rushbrook on that day was come of age my birthday was last week replied matilda but not a word beside in their retired apartments this day passed away not only soberly but almost silently for to speak upon any subject that did not engage their thoughts had been difficult and to speak upon the only one that did had been afflicting just as they were sitting down to dinner their bell had gently rung and in walked sandford why are you not among the revellers mr sandford cried miss woodley with an ironical sneer the first her features ever wore pray were not you invited to dine with the company yes replied sandford but my head ached and so i had rather come and take a bit with you matilda as if she had seen his heart as he spoke clung round his neck and sobbed on his bosom he put her peevishly away crying nonsense nonsense eat your dinner but he did not eat himself end of chapter eight volume three Recorded by Pam Moscato.